0: The Truth Be Told Podcast. I am Marta Brummel, and by trade and training, I am a certified life coach with a psychology degree from the University of Notre Dame and a master's in clinical social work from the University of Michigan. I'm the mother of four children. I'm married to Craig Brummel, my favorite human, and I am the CEO of a private life coaching practice for young adults and parents. So the whole idea behind this podcast and these conversations is to learn how to navigate this human journey from the inside out by building a life skill set that allows each one of us to engage with this grand life adventure from a place of health, wellness, and confidence and to create something beautiful by weaving in meaning and purpose along the way. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to How to Human, my friends. Today's episode is around loss and grief, something I think we all can relate to in some way, shape, or form, maybe from losing a loved one to launching a child into the world, into college, and beyond to losing a way of being in the world. In today's conversation, I have the privilege of sharing a most beautiful friend and colleague with all of you. Melissa van der and I have known each other since our grad school days at Michigan, almost 30 years ago, and our paths have continued to cross, thankfully, as our lives have unfolded over the years. Melissa is a therapist in private practice up in Grand Rapids. She works with individuals and families. And specializes in many areas, one of those being grief work with her clients. She's also, though, one who knows grief on a very intimate level, as she has experienced profound and deep loss in her own life, most notably in 2005 when she lost, within a three and a half month period of time, her son Isaac in April of that year, and her husband, John, in July. So as we know, grief and loss are inevitable parts of life. They mean that we have loved, of course, and today we're going to talk about how we express these heavy and often messy emotions, and just to move through the experience of loss and grief. In a society that really doesn't know how to do so. Most importantly, we're going to learn and talk about how to be a witness to each other's loss and grief as we walk each other home on this human journey. So I think you're going to enjoy this conversation, and I'm so glad that you're here. In thinking about today's episode about grief... And how often I'm asked by clients and friends to do a podcast episode on grief and really break it open in a way that gives people some words and a path to walk that maybe otherwise they wouldn't know to walk in being a witness of another person's loss and grief, as well as. Allowing others to be witness to their own losses and grief in this life. Because this life, if we live here long enough, mm-hmm. offers up a whole, you know, slew of of things that um entail love and loss and letting go. And so that's really what we're gonna talk about today. And Melissa is um is there's just no one I think that can really talk more eloquently and just more authentically about what it means to experience such deep and profound loss and then to keep moving, to keep going. Um, And then also, I hope, Melissa, you can share in terms of how others might be able to and how others did support you or maybe how you would have appreciated people in showing up in ways that you now know or that maybe you didn't know at that time. Mm -hmm. So and take it from here.
1: Well, what an intro! Gosh, um, and to hear thirty years—that's pretty remarkable, nice. isn't it? Right? Oh my gosh, Lots has happened in
0: thirty years, my friend.
1: I know we've lived a lot of lifetimes we have uh, together. You know, so I, I am just beyond grateful for our friendship and um, and for this opportunity. I, I, I do feel like grief is one of those things that, um, is really uncomfortable. And so we don't naturally seek out conversations about it. And because of that, I, I feel like our, our bandwidth for being able to talk about it both personally, as well as, you know, with other people is pretty limited. And, um, and I, I will say, Marta, that, um, you know, one of the greatest gifts of our friendship, for me, has been your witnessing of my life and and the various twists and turns that that my life has taken. Um, and so as we talk about how to support each other, in moments of deep grief and loss and pain and sorrow, um, you you've done a pretty darn good job as a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 let me let me kind of further clarify that because I can I can say how you've done that and and the way that you did that is as uncomfortable and as numbing numbing um and as maybe powerless as you felt in in knowing how to respond um you leaned in and the way that you leaned in was you opened your home you know i mean i remember visiting your house with the kids um you leaned in with phone calls you know just to to check in um you leaned in and continue to lean in in a way that very few people do by remembering anniversaries. Mm. And, you know, that is such a powerful honoring of our loved ones um, is, is naming them and remembering them. Mm. Um, and I guess in some ways, if I feel like there's no other takeaway mm. from our conversation, do that just do that. Don't forget. And, and also don't, don't stop yourself from naming the lost loved one out of fear that it's going to cause the living person pain. It won't, it won't because it doesn't. It actually,
0: it actually is comforting. Yeah, I think that's that's a beautiful way of, of of I think offering for all of us this sense of naming, right? Speaking their name and yeah. acknowledging them and honoring them and celebrating them and grieving them. And mm-hmm. the as you so eloquently, you know, mentioned about just grief in itself is so uncomfortable. And it's not an emotion that we really know how to metabolize and that we even, in the light of day, to be able to show what that is, it's not prescribed, right? It's not something that follows this timeline that is true for everyone. It's different. It takes on different forms and different things for each and every person. And I think it's messy. And I don't think we do well with messy Right. We also, as a society, want to just make sure people are okay. We just want to know that people are okay. And so Mm -hmm. much of the work that I think you and I do is that we allow people to not be okay, and to also, at the same time, let them know they are like, yeah, okay, and they're not okay, right? Yes. Yes. It's it's an and, and allowing for that human experience of what grief is and how it continues to manifest. And I think also kind of segues over time into more of a, a loss, Mm -hmm. less of the heavy duty grief in the, and you can speak on this, Melissa, in terms of for you, how has that kind of, how has that unfolded for you in terms of that arc? Yeah. So I actually
1: think in some ways that's how this podcast came to be is during one of our last conversations, Mm. you know, and I don't remember what, what started the conversation down this path, but, um, we touched on, um, how, you know, love endures, right. And grief endures too, because what is grief but an expression of love. right? Right. And so I think for me, and I, I should I should qualify that everyone's grief journey is individual and unique. So I am speaking, obviously, from from my grief journey. Um, but I also feel like I have this professional experience given um, the work that I do as a clinical therapist, hearing other people's grief stories. So I'm hoping that I can interweave not just personal. Pieces, but also um, maybe elements that I've also um, extrapolated from my time with other people, right? Yep. Yes. Um, and so, grief does it does endure, um, and and it it ebbs and flows. And there certainly are, from my experience, certain certain moments in time where grief feels more palpable those are anniversaries um those might be places where we visited or traveled or held memories you know with with the loved one who died right so there's this there's this conscious grief that we can have as we anticipate anniversaries or even as we anticipate transitions you know um, and, and we'll probably get into this later, but I you know you and I talked about like the loss of, um, you know, launching our college kids, right? Like, so yes, it's not a capital L loss, but it's, it's a loss in a different way. And so we can anticipate those things.
0: Right. And name um, those things. I think that's yeah. the other thing I would say is that I don't think yeah. we really often recognize the grief and name yeah. grief right and i uh, think we have to name it to be able to experience it and then be able to you know heal it over time yes. but yes. We, yeah and i think that's a really important step is to even just to recognize what it is that's happening yes right? yes so, right yeah different yeah different kinds of loss different, kinds, different of
1: kinds of loss and and i think recognizing that you know w- yes um that it that grief is sometimes not being able to share or no longer being able to kind of share that love that we have for somebody because they are now outside of our reach, right? And and if they're outside of our reach because of death, right? That's right. one thing. If they're outside of our reach because it's our college students away at college and, and we don't have that close proximity anymore, the love that we bestowed on them on a daily basis, even though that ebbed and flowed developmentally, you know, it, it's like that love doesn't know where to go, right? Mm-hmm. Or what to do and, and how do you navigate
0: that, right? Um, it changes form, but it doesn't go away. And I think yes. our, our relationship to that person, whether on this earth or or not, yeah, is our, our story, our thoughts, mm-hmm. our memories, all of that yeah mind in how we you know are able to continue to engage yeah with that person
1: um, Totally.
0: totally and respect what is yeah 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 right
1: so I think that you know when you and I were were talking um a little bit ago um I was saying that I I recently had a an experience where grief sort of bubbled up to the surface again for me so um I I realized a couple weeks ago that um this would be Isaac's senior year in high school Mm. and so that happens to me occasionally where like over time the passage of time I I um I think of him and and so I had this awareness a few weeks ago like holy shit, like he would be, he would be doing all the things that I've seen his older brother and sister do. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then it coincided with, um, of all things like high school football. So, you know, I, I'm not a, in our community, we live in a community where high school football, Friday night football is a big deal. Like the whole community goes, um and you Friday um, night lights as oh they, my gosh they, honestly of East Grand Rapids Michigan um and so so John my current husband and I went to the first game and the second game was upon us and and he said to me oh just so you know I'm probably going to meet up with a couple guy friends before the game um and have a few beers and um and I immediately had this like visceral reaction. And I found myself getting like feeling kind of left out and um, upset that he had made plans. And I said to him, I'm like, oh, you made other plans. And he looked at me like, when have you ever wanted to go to high school football games (laughs) other than when our son was playing, which we don't have a son currently playing. Right. (laughs) And so, this all happened as I was heading to work. So on my drive to work, I'm, I'm as a therapist, and as I tell a lot of my clients to do, pay attention to feelings as messengers, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting with this, this discomfort and these feelings, and I'm like, what is this about? Like, why does this football game matter so much to me? Mm-hmm. And it really what was... Is, yeah, what is yeah, it?
0: for you exactly
1: so it really was this this merging for me of oh yeah like Isaac would be a senior and if he if he did follow in his older brother's footsteps maybe he would have played you know like high school football Mm -hmm. and he would be a senior playing on that football field or maybe he'd be in the band right or maybe he'd just be a spectator didn't matter but that's why I had the reaction that I did Right. so that was one of those moments that i hadn't anticipated right? Right. right but that shows sort of the um the landscape right of loss mm-hmm. where it's not always we can't always predict when it shows up and so i shed a few tears mm-hmm. um i i can sometimes like when i when i'm in those moments sometimes for me i i turn on a super sad song to make me even sadder Mm -hmm. Um, which is how I have found that I need to really lean into the emotion in order to move through it Um, Mm -hmm. and And so I did that yeah Yeah. I did that and then I arrived at work and I called (laughs) I called my husband I'm like hey sorry (laughs) about my irritability here's why right and he's like
0: totally makes sense not Mm -hmm. a big deal yeah Well, John's a love. Um, Oh, he is. Yeah. And he holds space. If there is anyone who can space. He does. Yeah. John Preston is that. He is. is, uh, He's a good one. Um, Absolutely. I love, love too, what you're saying about in the car when you had the emotion. And as you said with your clients, you say, hey, just notice because those whatever's coming up in our bodies, right? Is they're messengers. The feelings are coming up. What's really, from where are these coming, right? You don't have to act on them per se, but you absolutely want to at least notice and hold space and then figure out, okay, what's really going on here? And how do I process this through? As you said, for you, you turn on sad music potentially that helps kind of move it through. Yes. um but learning how to feel our feelings and yeah. allow for that intensity of emotion because i think people are almost afraid that if they let lean into it it mm-hmm. will consume them it yeah. will it will consume them whole right yes. and yes what i believe and what i've experienced in my own you know loss and grief is that when i lean in I allow and I surrender to something that is, is very intense and big and there's a grace in it that allow, it's like a, a process that it, it's not in resistance. It's like, it just, it's an allowing and it's intense and it, and it hits hard and it's exhausting, yeah. uh, but it is, it's healing. As yeah, well. yeah. And I think we need that opportunity to keep kind of opening ourselves up and being cracked open, yes, with these emotions to continue to create space yeah. for the healing.
1: Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a there's a grace, like you're saying, and a sacredness in that, right? Right. So, like, if we can honor sort of that hallowedness mm-hmm. of the hallowedness that we feel right. I think that um, we realize that it's not a tsunami, right? Like our feelings are not a tsunami that's, that's sucking us under. Although I will say that, you know, in the early stages of grief and loss, it can feel like that. It can Mm -hmm. feel like you are, you are a, um, you are a piece of driftwood at the mercy of the seas, not really feeling anchored or moored in any way. And, you know, really kind of dependent upon where the waves take you. Um, right, there's no tethering really. There's no the- tethering, there's no tethering. And so that that does shift over time, you know? And and so to your point and to what what my football slash, you know, irritable, um, emotion moment was, was recognizing, oh, this is where I am. And because it's sacred, I, I am going to sit with it knowing that it's not going to suck me under, right? right. Knowing right. that it, it has a beginning, a middle and an end, right? Um,
0: just like waves do. Right. right? And it's being present. It is and being, being present. present in that sacred moment. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And when you even reframe it to a sacred moment, I think that might be helpful for listeners to consider that when these waves of emotion hit, that to hold space in a way that says, here's something important. Yeah. I'm gonna make time and space for this. Yes. Even though it's really uncomfortable. Yeah. But it's 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 more than uncomfortable. It's it's representative of something really Special and significant, and and yeah. Just sacred, yeah, um, yeah. And I think when we reframe things in that way, potentially it helps lessen the resistance to it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, or open us up to it possibly, and normalize it maybe a little bit too. Yeah. Because I think, again, as you and I both have said, I think throughout this that. It is individual in terms of what loss and grief how it manifests in us and how we experience it and the timeline of it. Mm-hmm. but I also think there's it's important to normalize it somehow some way, yeah, how would you say that has has that helped you to or helped your clients like how would you oh yeah, how would you articulate I mean,
1: that
0: i I think that um
1: that that naming and that normalizing absolutely I think allows people to recognize that like grief, sadness, you know, despair is a natural human experience, right? So if we, if we even think about it from this place of, um, you know, when we come into this world as little babies, like we're helpless, right? And and so we're we're wired for attachment and connection, right? Which we need in order to survive. Right. So if we recognize that we need attachment and connection to survive, then we are opening ourselves up from the very beginning of our days to loss, right? right. So when we attach... It's often out of love and security and care and comfort, right? And that opens us up to eventually at, at certain points experiencing the the loss of that connection. The right? letting
0: go sometimes. The letting
1: go. So it really, like, we are letting go All the our entire lifetime. <laughs> we really are. And, and yeah. when we can see that and recognize that, then I do think that too Yes. can destigmatize loss right we're able to recognize like oh wow like that that friendship no longer is right that relationship ended and and the goal in that is also being able to like feel the love and the beauty of what those relationships provided
0: us at that time in our lives right. there can be gratitude for sure I think that's I think that's the contrast of emotion too. And I think when we go, if we're talking more that dark and the light in terms of emotion and also just as we as humans have that inner world of dark and light, yeah, I think that's what we're kind of talking about is that our darkness really allows us to see our light mm-hmm. and our light really allows us to see our darkness. And I think we need both. I don't yeah. think that to seek just one and desire for just the the light, we miss the richness and the opportunity, I think, to go deeper and to open even wider and love even, you know, in a grander and, you know, more meaningful and, and, um, you know, profound way. Yes. Yes. Feeling as humans is, is feelings in general. I think we we weren't taught how to feel our feelings right. in our families, in yeah. our school, yeah. um, and yet as human beings, it's essential. It's essential yeah. for our health, our wellness, our connection. You just beautifully, you know, described attachment and how when we come into the world, our deepest desire is to attach and to mm-hmm. connect mm-hmm. Yeah. and skin to skin yeah um, yeah yeah. and how we get away from that as we continue mm-hmm. on this path of humaning and yeah. how I think loss can just break us open in a way where the vulnerability, the feeling so exposed and bare and raw and uh I think as we described, untethered, it's like, that brings us back to our human humanity, right? Our human yes. Our core. Yes. yes. And yes. that is, that's powerful. And yes. yet we also need safety. And, and a, how do you, yeah, I guess the creating of the tethering, the creating, and that can be the community, that can be the friends the support. Yes. That also yes. has to be a creation within yourself, I think, mm-hmm. of safety. And yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how did you create more of that softness within yourself mm-hmm. at a time that you probably felt so yeah. raw?
1: Yeah. Well, I think I think that you're I think that you're really you're you're correct when you talk about it being sort of this like breaking open experience, right? So for me, having two profound losses back to back um i felt like i was sort of a raw nerve ending moving about the world right so i was completely i felt completely exposed and vulnerable and and sort of stripped bare um and untethered right and and so there can be a natural human instinct to armor right to protect yeah. and and recognizing that there is a safety and security in that and and kind of a self-preservation in that as well Mm -hmm. right and and I I think that there was definitely a time where I did that Mm -hmm. um, especially from kind of the outside the outside world and even like individuals who I knew maybe on the fringe like colleagues or you know people I knew in the neighborhood kind of thing when I would disarmor myself that was with people who I felt safe with right so you being one of those people um I have a group of of college friends who I felt safe doing that with Mm -hmm. Um, so it was it was knowing who were my people in in those moments, right? Mm-hmm. Um and giving myself permission to kind of engage in that armoring, disarmoring, armoring, disarmoring, right? As long as it was from a place of consciousness, right? Like if I'm doing if I'm doing the armoring and not recognizing that I'm armoring and then I'm just sort of like holding ma- myself off from, from the world and from feelings and from any potential pain, Mm -hmm. then I'm really doing myself a disservice. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But there also was this realization that to your earlier point that like this joy and pain, right. Love and grief um, exist on parallel tracks. Right. So it's not like we experience joy, like we're on the joy track. Right. right? And then something happens and then we're on the pain track. It's really like joy and pain are tandem tracks, right? And, and life toggles us in between them. That's right. And That's so right. for me, I think I really, I had people in my life, friends, I had Sister Joy, who you connected me with. Mm-hmm. Um, she is equally a gem of a human, oh. <laughs> right. right? She's an angel on earth. She is
0: um, love her so Joy yeah. O'Grady shout out to you shout out to Joy O'Grady mm-hmm. whoop, whoop. yeah uh, <laughs> whoop, whoop. yeah so they're yeah.
1: inseparable right and, and and just that awareness too I think softened me to know that like mm-hmm. you know I wouldn't know I wouldn't know like true joy if I didn't also know sorrow
0: that's right, right? and we wouldn't know the light. If we didn't occasionally look at the dark, right, and to be able to hold a candle up to it, at yes, times. yes, yeah, absolutely. and to have people who are who are
1: willing to also hold the candle with us, right? right. I mean, I think, That's right. bear witness together. Yes, yes, yeah. Such yeah. a powerful walk. Back to what you earlier said when, um, when you, I think it was when you said you learned about. Isaac's death and you said you know it just felt so unimaginable well actually I could imagine it which is why it also felt unimaginable right and I think that's what it taps into right so
0: right it's our greatest fear it is our greatest fear. oh my gosh I can't imagine it's like no actually I can and that's what is so yes incredibly like yeah uncomfortable comfortable that's right yes And we're and then, always wanting to understand, like, how yeah. did it happen? What you know, and yes. to almost be able to protect from that. And yet, as you said, right away from the moment we come into this world, we open ourselves to loss. We open mm-hmm. ourselves up to, to, to grief. And the grief and the loss means that we've loved. And so, of yeah. course, we we want all of that, you know. Um, yeah. but we don't actively pursue. And desire for grief and loss. And yet it is a it's a very natural part of life. And as we're we're talking about even um, with launching our kids yes. and, and what that has been and how that brings up different emotions Perfect. and to be able to name those emotions and manage those emotions yes. and not pass those to our children, right. uh, but to you know honor those and you know hold space and, yes. uh, and keep moving. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, because it it it
1: it is one of those for for those of us lucky enough to experience, right? It it is one of those like natural losses that occurs, right? And and I think as as parents, as mothers, we spend you know upwards of eighteen years mothering. Right. And so it's the, it's the loss of a, of a role in our child's lives, if you will. Although you and I both know that like mothering doesn't end when they turn 18. It just, it shifts. My mom
0: always says it never ends. It never ends. Being a parent never ends. No. It's a forever thing. Yes. And she not worries about us, you know. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Because that doesn't go away. No, it doesn't and yet it's i would never change it for anything i'd never right. trade it right but it does i think having children is probably the most vulnerable thing we can do the gift of awareness right i mean i that's
1: because that's wisdom. hard. It's it wisdom. is wisdom. It's hard-earned, man. But it's wisdom. It's the best part of I getting older, know. I think. Well, um. I often tell my kids, like, the right thing to do is often, like, the hardest thing to do, right? Like, so that wisdom of, like, of letting go, right? Mm-hmm. And knowing that letting go doesn't mean... um stopping loving right okay. or, or or stopping caring for this being right but, but it's it transforms the love yes really. it's yeah. a transformation and not a severing yeah. right
0: yes and i think our children benefit enormously when we can figure out and find that sweet spot where we can love and let go, where we can love and and hold space and hold them mm-hmm. while also letting them be free. Yeah. There is something so beautiful in that synergy. Uh yeah. but it is it's for me, it's when I hit it, I know it and I'm it's a it's a flow and it feels yeah. amazing. And when I'm not in it, I feel yeah. it. It's yeah. miserable. Yeah. And I have to just remind myself, okay, let's get back to yes. where I know I can go. Yeah. Because here isn't working. If we don't have the awareness, yeah, we we unknowingly pass yeah. off a lot of things to our children that I think the more aware we become and the more we're responsible for our emotional sure. well-being, yeah. the yeah. more we free our children to be free. Yeah. I I completely
1: agree. And, you know, even viewing that through the lens of loss, right? So if you are someone, if you're a parent who has experienced loss or losses, right? Okay. Then then subsequent situations where you are saying goodbye, whether it's a forever goodbye due mm-hmm. to death, or if it's a goodbye to a life change or transition, mm-hmm. it's inevitably going to stir up some yeah. of that stuff. That's right, right. And so all the more reason to have that awareness, right? And so for me, there have been times where with my older kids, so, you know, one is graduated from, from college, one is currently in college, like I have had conversations with them where I've said, "Oh, yeah, this is my stuff. So it's not yours to own. Right. I realized that I said this because it's it's my fear you know, and, and so like, I'm, I'm going to do some work around that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's important because that also gives our kids Mm -hmm. permission, right. To not just like be free in, in, in their own agency around their decisions, but also the, the freedom to be like, oh gosh, mom's willing to like pay attention to her feelings. And she's not putting her feelings onto me, or if if I am, I'm I'm acknowledging that I am Mm -hmm. and apologizing for it. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's, there's this awareness that grows in them of like, oh, feelings are meant to be felt and expressed.
0: And we can all continue moving forward on the path that we need to. Right. And I think that's an opportunity for all of us, even if we didn't do it when our children were young, even if we haven't done it up to today in this moment, learning how to Express our emotions and to feel our feelings as human beings in a way that is healthy, mm-hmm. right? And kind and compassionate and also allowing. I think that it benefits our relationships, it benefits our our children in ways that as young adults or adults or full full-fledged any of it, all of it, they benefit from seeing us mm-hmm. model. What it means to be a human and to do it in a way that is, you know, taking into consideration all these things that we're talking about. Yeah. 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 And it is a, it's a, it's, it's the, you know, the walk of a lifetime. I think one of the greatest ways to approach a grieving
1: person is to, to even say, I don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm so sorry for your loss. I don't have words. You don't have, yeah, I don't have the words. Yeah. Yeah. I don't so understand. i think yeah yeah i think that's a those are powerful words that um that are appreciated yeah and, and you, you, were, you did have like, the words
0: and you taught me the love and light like i love that so much like sending love and light uh-huh. um you were the one who brought that to me of how beautiful is that because at a time when you're grieving and mm-hmm. um or maybe just struggling in general to send someone light Yeah. And love, yeah, I think is very nourishing and yes. healing. And yeah, um, yes. taught me that. So amongst a million other things, you've taught wow. me in this life. Yeah. So, okay, my friend, we'll do this as um, you know, as the days unfold. I'm sure we'll do another fun one. Um, I would love that. Our episode. All right. Until then. Until, until then. You. Sending love right back at you. And light. All right. And light. And oh. light. Absolutely. Having a life coach can sweeten the often messy and hard and awesome journey of being human. Do you have a life coach? And if not, I would be so privileged to be your coach. I have a private coaching practice for individuals and families where we work on getting to the heart of your struggles and paving a path forward that helps you create a life that you truly love. When you're prepared to take what you're learning on this podcast and implement the tools and techniques, so that you experience profound and lasting results, then contact me at martabrummel.com and we can hit the ground running. I truly cannot wait to work with you.